live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. There are a myriad of topics on this Wednesday afternoon that I would definitely like to both talk with everyone about and also to lead off with this afternoon. And I wasn't really sure which one of them I wanted to start with. And then as I listened to the lead on ESPN Sports Center there just a couple of moments ago, and AJ and I started conversing about it before we came on the air, I think the light bulb went on over the mostly balding head at this point and said, let's talk about this. Let's lead with this. Even though it is more of a national story than a local story, I've got a local basketball story that I very definitely want to get into that is basically breaking news in local basketball circles, college basketball circles. But I'll hold off on that. I'll push pause on that one for a moment because I was leaning in that direction. But then as I heard the ESPN story and AJ started talking, I can't believe I'm saying this, AJ, on September 13th. Let's start the show by talking NBA. Where is Bruce? He will join us at some point, I imagine, on this topic. So welcome to the program, by the way. Bob Black with you here hosting remotely on a Wednesday afternoon. AJ's in our ESPN Richmond studios. He's running the ship smoothly from our producer's booth. And you can join this conversation, 804-327-0888. So the NBA today announced rules and regulations that will get tough on load management, which is something I think at one time or another we have all poked at. We have all taken a shot at. We have all kind of shaken our head at these guys that are sitting out games for quote-unquote load management just so they can rest. And the NBA decided it's enough enough of a problem that now we have to have rules for this. And this, this goes back. This is almost like Major League Baseball banning the shift. Like, I'm glad they did because I think the game is better because of it. But couldn't the players have figured it out for themselves so we didn't have to have another rule on the books? Apparently not in Major League Baseball and apparently not in the NBA. That the players and coaches and general managers couldn't figure this thing out so that guys weren't just sitting out games just because they feel like sitting out games. And now I think it's going to be a very difficult enforcement of this. And once again, TV is a major player in all of this because part of the rule about players who sit out games more than they will be allotted include the national TV games to make sure the star players are playing on the biggest stage under the brightest lights. And, AJ, let me let me ask you this as we start this. I think in general the intention here is actually good. I do think the intention is very good, as a matter of fact. I just don't know that you can regulate it using these guidelines and these rules, and I think it actually puts a little edginess on the situation between the NBA front office and the players and the Players Association. 
you know, I was getting ready to rag on this, and I still want to, but a thought yep. just occurred. Do you think this is actually secretly the NBA giving these teams the power to stand up to their players secretly? I don't know. I, I really don't. I do think it had become somewhat of an issue. I will say that. And I don't follow the NBA as closely as you and Robert and Bruce. It's bad. But, but I, right, it is bad. So, And, and like, like I said, because I follow baseball, the shift was really bad. It, it was taking away, you know, star players' ability to get on base and get more hits and all of that. And they had a way to fix it themselves, and they didn't do it. And I think maybe that's the case here as well so you made a you, you had a great question what does the nba consider a star so they have, they have to define everything here so a star player is someone who's made the all-star or all nba teams in any of the three previous seasons uh so 25 teams and 50 players are impacted by the new rules so remember Wait. this only applies aj to star players like the the seventh man on the knicks um, it, he could sit out a couple games and no one's going to care, so, and they're not going to get penalized for that. So the Clippers will get penalized, the Lakers will get penalized, but Charlotte will be okay. Yeah, right. If That's, they don't, right. Now, there's there's even a little bit more to it than that, and I, I read the article like twice on ESPN.com. I mean, this thing has had to been in place, been talked about for quite some time because it's pretty deep. It It's pretty detailed. So the NBA will allow several exceptions to which a team can seek approval for a star player to miss back-to-back games. That's what this boils down to, is that they just can't miss back-to-back games. You can sit a guy sporadically. You can still do that. Now, part of the issue, and this is important to the players, I think, is that you have to play in at least 65 games, 65 regular season games, to be eligible for postseason awards. And before you go, oh, well, players don't care about posting awards. Well, they do, because almost every player's contract is tied to bonus money for postseason awards, whether it's an individual award or whether it's, you know, making an all-NBA team or an all-star team. It's important to those guys financially. So I, I get that, and that's already been in place. So you, your example is, is great um, on the flip side. So the, the one on ESPN.com, the Celtics, they could not rest – both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the same game. Well, like in the update, how are you going to enforce the fact that they aren't injured? I agree. I don't know the answer to that. I also don't understand, and here's here's the deal, and this one I actually like because I have a real-life example that I can give of this, but teams must ensure that healthy players resting for a game are present and visible to fans. And that may sound silly, but it's not, because I will give you an example uh, a little bit later or, or whatever. A, a, a buddy of mine who took his daughter to go see the Wizards, I forget who the player was, star player for the other team, and was sitting out the game and didn't even travel. So they couldn't even see him sitting on the bench, let alone playing. And there was great disappointment in that. So I, I do get that. So here's my other question, AJ. When we talk about so what would happen if the Celtics just dress Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and one of them just, you know, plays like two minutes a quarter? I, is that defeating the purpose of load management, of rest? That's that, funny. Like that that, they, that would you be know, funny. That they still have to go through all the pregame warm ups and all the meet all of that. And I, I don't know. I mean, what what defines how much time they have to play 
in that particular game. The more I hear you talk about this, the more I feel like we're we're stirring up a hornet's nest and this problem's going to actually get worse. I thought you were going to say the opposite. I actually thought you were going to say this problem was going to get better and and teams are just not going to push it. And they're still going to get a chance to rest these guys. That That is still there. They just can't do it for back-to-back games. And if they're fortunate enough to have a team with three or four of them, they can't do them all at once. I mean, I do think the intent here is good. I just don't know how you, you enforce See, it. See, I'm all about player empowerment. I love these players, but they are so up their own butt, man. Like, <laughs> like you, you can't tell them anything. They will do whatever despite it. So I think this is actually going to be bad. All right, it also says the NBA will allow pre-approved designated back-to-back allowances for players who are, that's what I mean, a lot of thought went into this. A lot of lawyers got rich off of this. Will allow back-to-back allowances for players who are 35 years old on opening night or have career workloads of 34,000 regular season minutes or 1,000 regular season and playoff games combined. Like, who thought up all of this? <laughs> I mean, but I do think it is trying to protect the fan in this case that you spend whatever, 75 bucks to go to a game to see a star player. And they even made this point um, as well, that when you do have to rest guys, it would be better if you rested them at home rather than in an away game. Because at home, theoretically, the fan has 41 opportunities to see the star player in action. On the road, in many cases, it's the only time that they would get to see said star player in action. The genie's out of the bottle, Bob, with these players. (laughs) I'm telling you. Like, the only way to hit them is to just find them. And and it's the teams that are allowing them to do this. Which is why I kind of go back to maybe this is secretly... The the league the the league office's way of allowing these owners to sort of stand up to these players. Maybe I mean it's the teams that are going to get fined. It, it's not the players unless the teams then trickle it down. But the fine system and Bruce has called in. He saw the bat phone flashing, so I'm going to go to him here in just a second. Um, the fines begin a hundred thousand for the first offense, two fifty for the second, and a million. Uh, after that for, for additional fines. Which I forget what talking had said this, but like what team wouldn't pay that in certain scenarios for these for these star players? Uh, I guess. I mean... Uh... All I know is these teams need to get with it. ESPN can't... can't Me and South Beach Rob can't be off on the same day. I mean, we've been doing this for, <laughs> for months, so they need to get with it. Uh, I thought you were going to say Matt Josephs and I couldn't be off on the same day. No, no, but we're I talking about neither, all-stars. Neither one of us have been all-stars in each of the past three years, so I guess not, or at least I haven't. It's not fun when you bag on yourself. <laughs> all right, Bruce, what say you on this complicated issue? Good afternoon, Bruce. Good afternoon, Bob and AJ. What Bob, up? just so you're aware, I called AJ and I ate a look on Friday while you were off. Let, let me lead in by saying in my best, Lee Corso voice. Hold, hold, hold up. Hold up a little minute here. Let me share with you why I bring that Lee Corso voice out today. Because this ruling or this change through the CBA 
impediment to the dress code change that missioner, the late, great David Stern issue. It is adamant. It is one in the lot. And I mean that from this perspective. When that issue, when that change came out, the dress code change, myself and many others were not fans of that ruling from the commissioner's office. However, this, I think, is just on point. I think if you are a true woke person, diehard NBA, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Dokic, keep on going with the names. If you're a young person and you're truly one of their fans and they come to the Wizards Stadium or they come to Charlotte, you want to see them play. You want to see them play. Barring injury, they should play. So I think this is for the good. I really believe this is a call that the CBA agrees. Bob, you made a quick reference of incentivizing contracts. Many people do not realize participation in the All-Star game in, in numbers are what allow you to get these max contracts. They're directly correlated to your play on the court. So if you make X number all-star games, or if you lead the league in scoring, that would allow you to get some of the max contract. It's senior on the team as well, but it's greatly incentivized, and I think this is a good move from the association. I'm in support of this move, as I was not a big fan of the dress code move, but I am of this move. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate the call. We're going to pick up on this a little bit later, but I'm with Bruce on this one. Like I said, initially, I think the intent of this is very good, and my hope is the teams and players are going to look at this and say, okay, this does make sense. Let's not push the envelope. Let's not get involved in this. We can still get our rest they can still sit for games. They just can't sit back-to-back games. They can't sit in nationally televised games. They can't sit in this in-season tournament. But other than that, you can still manipulate, massage the schedule so that you give Jalen Brown a game off every once in a while or Jason Tatum. And I love the idea that they must still be there and with their team. So it's not like they're not even traveling with their team, even if they don't uh, dress in uniform, you know, even if they put them idle for a game, and I don't even know how the NBA does that, and somebody else becomes active, at least they're there, they're sitting on the bench, and they're visible. I think for the most part, teams want their star players to play, right? They want to win games. They want to win championships. Uh, Players want to play. So I do think in general this is good. I'm just, like, amazed at the amount of detail that has gone into this. And we'll see what happens, AJ, the first time a player pushes this and says, oh, i got to sit out back-to-back games. I can't go play in L.A. one night and Golden State the next, and we're coming from the East Coast, and I just need to stay, you know, that kind of thing. We'll see what happens when they push the envelope. My guess here right now is that the intent is good enough that that's not going to happen moving forward. I mean, to be clear, with I agree with Bruce 100%. I just think that these players are are just out of pocket now. I just I don't think they're going to listen to anything. I don't think they care. I think a lot more players are a lot like Kyrie. 
than than people think. So we'll see. We'll see if it works. Yep, we will. Exactly. We'll see if this works. And let, let's remember, uh, it only involves 25 teams and 50 players that are impacted by these new rules because of the definition of all-star, uh, of star dumb. player. Well, I mean, but those are, those are the guys that are bringing in the most money, right? Those are the, those are the guys selling the most jerseys and T-shirts and and tickets and all of that. Uh, so let, let's see how this, this plays out. Because I used to get annoyed even if they just missed one game. They're still going to be able to miss one game. And I relate a lot of things to baseball. I understand that. But when baseball teams, now they got a lot more games to play. When they sit a star player, he is visible. He is in the dugout. He is in the, you know, he is in uniform. And he could come up and pinch hit in the eighth or ninth inning. I mean, you know, if Ronald Acuna takes a day off for the Atlanta Braves, which he is certainly going to do in the next couple of weeks, and that's part of this that maybe wasn't even addressed. When teams have clinched playoff berths, they should be allowed to sit those guys as much as they want at that point, if you ask me. So if the Braves win tonight and they clinch the National League East and Ronald Acuna wants to take the entire series off next week in where – I don't even know where they would be going. St. Louis, Miami – I'm okay, certainly, with that. But even if it was a game in which the, the division, the conference still hasn't been decided, at least in baseball, you got a chance they could come up in the eighth or ninth inning. They're there. They're in uniform. They're not sitting back at the hotel. They're not sitting back at home if they're on the road. And I think that's what the NBA is trying to get to. A lot of caveats to this. Man. There are. That's a great word. That There are a lot of caveats to these guidelines. But I'm going to be with Bruce also. And I think, in general, the intent is very good, and I think it's going to help minimize the back-to-back games that star players have missed in the past and the overall number of games that star players have missed in the past, again, particularly in road games. I think that is significantly more important, and I get the national TV aspect of it, but I do think the road games significantly more important because in many cases teams only play one game all year in another city. One chance to see Steph Curry, you know, one chance to see those guys. I do think they need to show up uh, when they're on the road for those games. That's what we're paying on the millions and millions of dollars uh, to do. All right, here's what we're going to do on this afternoon's Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. All right, here's the other story that I really want to get into. And the Times-Dispatch broke this today, although it was on social media and on Richmond.com. VCU basketball player Joe Bamasil, who put in a immediate eligibility request to the NCAA because he had transferred back home from Oklahoma, which was his most recent school, to play this year has been denied by the NCAA. And he has put out a long explanation of why he feels as though he should play this year. He is a Richmond guy. He is coming back home. His dad has had health issues. His mom is involved um, in a work organization in which he assists. He has had his own mental health issues to go along with all of this, according to what he has said in a very long dissertation that he has released and made public today and i really do want to get into this story 
and I'm I'm hesitant because I man I do see this both ways, but what is still pulling at me is that the majority of people in college athletics wanted this to happen. They wanted the NCAA to crack down on this play immediately transfer situation where guys and gals were jumping from team to team to team to team. And every almost everybody, I hate to use the word everybody because that's never the case, but an overwhelming majority of people involved in these sports said, well, we got to change this. we we got to do something. So they've done something about it. And to my great surprise, the NCAA actually is putting the hammer down. I didn't think they would because as soon as they deny a waiver request, here comes the legal battle, and it's coming. And, you know, the appeal is coming in this case by Joe Bamisil as well. I, I see it both ways. Um and I'm not going to have enough time in this next segment because we had a guest coming up at 4.30. But we're going to get to it because I think most of you who listen to this show know for the most part I actually lean with the establishment side on a lot of this. I don't want to deny players and athletes what they can get. I don't. But I do think there needs to be some guardrails. That's become a favorite word. And in this case, I would like to present my argument why I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for Joe Bamisil to sit out a year. And before you guys and gals say, oh, he's a Richmond guy, no wonder he's saying that. That way Bamisil won't play this year. Well, first of all, he'll play next year, right? He's still going to get his chance to play. And I, I, I truly believe in my heart if he had come to Richmond and there was an opportunity that he could have come to Richmond once, probably twice, I think at the his original recruitment as a high school guy, kid richmond was on him and i think richmond was interested in him as vcu was when he decided he needs to come home so i i don't think that's a factor here but i do ask the question and it sounds rhetorical but i would like it to be you know interactive here what's wrong with sitting out a year and getting your life in order and practicing with your teammates and making a little money on the NIL, I'm sure VCU has an NIL in place that Joe Bamisil could benefit from, and take care of your family, and play another year at VCU. Again, that sounds rhetorical, but it's not. I want somebody to tell me why this is such a punishment, why this is so negative for him or any of the others that they've denied the waiver request to take a step back and sit out a year and get your life in order and still have the camaraderie with your basketball team, and be a part of it. All right. Guests coming up on the uh, Sports Huddle this afternoon. I, I definitely – you can tell I'm pretty passionate about that, and I want to get back into that a little bit later as well. But let's talk some college football at the bottom of each hour. Coming up very shortly, Dave Rigert, voice of the JMU Dukes, will join us. A great win for JMU in Charlottesville against UVA on Saturday. And at 5.30, Mike Burnham from Virginia Tech's uh, Radio Network will join us, the Hall of Famer with the Hokies. We'll talk about the long delay and the tough loss to Purdue and what's ahead now against Rutgers for Virginia Tech. So those are our two guests. We'll talk some college football. Dave Rigert, JMU at 4.30, Mike Burnham, uh, Virginia Tech at 5.30. A quick break. Time out on the Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN. Sports. All you have to do is accept it. And perhaps send a thoughtful thank you card. Jamie King is live weekday mornings at 7 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Well, 
because I went on and on and on about the two topics leading off the show today, the NBA's load management new policy and then the Joe Bamaseal decision by the NCAA not to approve his waiver request to play this year, because I went on and on and rambled about that, we've only got a minute or a minute and a half here before we need to regroup and get to Dave Riggert at the bottom of the hour. So let me make it the most productive minute possible. And that's by giving something away. So I'm going to do that. Richmond Spiders, our home Saturday afternoon, college football, Robin Stadium. Supposed to be a glorious day. Sun splash Saturday. You will enjoy the heck out of it, especially if you go for free, courtesy of your friends here at the home of the Spiders, 1061 ESPN. And look, I know Matt was bragging. Like, we each had two tickets to give away. Somehow Matt got the parking pass with the two tickets to give away i don't know how he won that debate but i guess because he's on first he got the parking pass i don't know so i just have two tickets to give you but let me rest assure you um it's a great thing to get the parking pass i get it and all that but at richmond it's maybe not quite as significant as it is at virginia tech or at uva uh there are plenty of open parking lots at richmond on campus The campus is not that big. You can walk from one end to the other in about 15 minutes at the most at Richmond. And all of the parking is free anyway. So it's not like you're going to go into a public lot and pay 25 bucks at Richmond. You're not. It's free. So don't worry that much about the parking pass. It's a nice perk. Don't get me wrong. I'm just a little ruffled why Matt got it and I didn't to give away. But trust me, you'll still enjoy the game. You'll have a fine parking spot. It's not that far from the stadium, and the cost of parking is zero. All right, two tickets to Saturday's game, 3.30 against Delaware State. The Spiders in action at home this Saturday. Let's take caller number two. It's the second home game of the year. We take caller number two as we go to the break, 804-327-0888. You'll have to come by the studio and pick up the tickets, obviously, before Saturday by the close of business on Friday. And go see the Spiders at Robin Stadium. You'll have a great time. I promise you that. Caller two, 804-327-0888. Saturday, 3.30, Richmond football against Delaware State. Back to talk some JM. You football with the voice of the Dukes, Dave Rigert, next on the Sports Huddle. He delivers his own take on sports. And maybe if you're lucky, a pepperoni pizza and garlic sticks. But I wouldn't count on it. He's cheap. Matt Josephs is live. Weekday afternoons beginning at 3 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Are you ready? Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle moving along on a Wednesday afternoon, the midweek edition of the Sports Huddle, about 435 already. Let's talk some college football. We really haven't done that yet in the first half hour or show of the program. So let's get into some of that, and let's start with the resounding win for the James Madison Dukes Saturday in Charlottesville, knocking off the Virginia Cavaliers 36-35. The guy who was on the call for that game on the JMU Sports Network joins us now, Dave Riggert. Hello, Dave. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Doing fine, thanks. Appreciate the time this afternoon. So you were part of a couple of pretty impressive comebacks a year ago for James Madison. What triggered this one? Down, what, 11 in the fourth quarter, the rain delay, an emotional day, obviously in Charlottesville, a big deal playing them for the first time in 40 years. What was the key to this comeback by the Dukes? Well, I think the biggest key was probably that delay. Um, I'm not sure they win that game without the delay. They had played okay, but they were kind of scuffling a little bit, and 
I'll be honest with you. I think the defense was a little worn down. Um, I think the uh, the the offense had only gone. I think more than I think they went three and out on four to five possessions. The uh, the JMU offense did. So the defense was out there a lot. They gave up 21 points in the third quarter to UVA, and they had kind of gotten a rhythm, some big chunk plays and some longer drives. It just kind of wore the defense down. They were without one of their linebackers in Jalen Walker, who, again, he's a Richmond kid, and they were a little, little banged up on the defensive line. So a little spin at D-line and linebacker, and I think I think I do think that the delay really helped them. It was about a 72-minute delay. They got in the locker room. I think they were able to scheme some things up offensively. They got the run game going after the delay, and the defense able to, to stop um, Virginia in their last two drives. So I, I don't know that they win that without the, the delay. I think they did some ch- coaching in there, and it was almost like a second halftime for them to kind of make some adjustments. Hey, i got to stop you there for just a moment, Dave. I'm feeling a little guilty here. We had Jalen Walker on this program last week, and I don't, <laughs> don't want to be the jinx guy here. What happened to him, and what do you know? It's a shoulder injury, and I know he uh, the it's, the diagnosis is better than expected. So it's not a season-ending injury. I don't even know if he'll miss time or not. Um, I know they're going to probably take it make make sure they're pretty cautious with him. But it was a shoulder injury. He was down for a little while, and he was in a sling after the game. So that's not a great sign. But um, from everything that I've heard this week that it's better than expected. So I, that's all I know at this point. I would be surprised if he goes this week. Um, but I don't. it won't be a season-ending injury for, for sure. So he should be back here pretty soon. All right, we're hoping for the best for him, certainly. Yeah, let's go absolutely. back to Yeah, for sure, Dave, no doubt about that. Uh, let, let's go back to, to your perspective kind of on your defense, on JMU's defense. Um, totally took the run game away, right? I mean, UVA, 18 yards net rushing in that contest and then you get basically an unknown quarterback who slings it around for 377 yards right yeah i did uh, but that's the one thing last year in the in the regular season jamu led the nation in rush defense giving up about 80 yards per game they've allowed 80 yards in their first two games combined 62 to bucknell 18 to virginia so that's the one thing that again good defenses stop the run first and foremost that's what they want to do and they've done a great job of that the first two games they did a great job last year brian haynes is now in his second year as a defensive coordinator and i i give a lot of credit to virginia on kind of scheming some things up they they came out on some different things than what i think jamie was expecting they got running backs on linebackers two of their long passes one was a 60 like a 63 yard touchdown one was a 75 yarder they got their running backs in space against linebackers, and that's a challenge for those guys. Even as athletic as Jalen Walker, Torres Jones, and those guys are, I think they schemed them up pretty good. It's hard for them to run with running backs like that. So I think UGA did a good job of getting them in some kind of tough situations to, to handle. And then there was, there was just a miscommunication in the back end. They've got, a, they've got some young corners, a sophomore and Chonky Logan at corner. Um, some of the safeties, one of the safeties, Jacob Thomas, got hurt in the game, so it's kind of shoveling some guys in and out, and I think there was just a miscommunication on the back end on what Virginia was doing. So uh, we saw that one time last year against Georgia Southern. They threw for over 600 yards and put up a bunch of of, uh, points in that game last year, but that was about the only game. So hopefully they can get that cleaned up, but normally they make teams one-dimensional and and are able to shut them down with a pass rush. Um, But the one thing, again, after the delay, they only gave up 36 a couple of first downs. And on that last drive where UVA could have went down and at least tried a field goal to win it, they got pressure on the quarterback. The defensive line um, kind of asserted themselves a little bit and got pressure on the QB so they didn't have a lot of time to throw the football. So 
they did make some adjustments. They were better than the last 12 minutes of that game, no doubt, with their pass defense. Dave, what did you see offensively from the last two drives, the two game-winning drives? I mean, at least on paper, and I did not see the game on, on Saturday. I've seen the highlights, but you can give us a better perspective than that. They look almost identical, right? Eight play, 80-yard drives for both of them. You know, one was a little bit longer than the other. One ends in a rushing touchdown by Tyson Lawton, the other in a passing touchdown from uh, Jordan McLeod. But what did you see in those two drives from the Dukes offense? The offensive line kind of finally asserted themselves. And the one thing that I was I was impressed with is they stuck with the game plan to still run the football. There were times when they had, they had a hard time running the football against that UVA defensive line, which is the strength of their football team. And the offensive line has all five starters back. Those guys have stayed healthy. That's the that's the strength of their offense, there's no doubt. And finally, they were able to get the running game going. You mentioned Tyson Lott. He gave him kind of a shot in the arm with a couple of big runs. Um, when they came back from the delay, they were able to run the football in the first couple of plays, get some first downs, get near midfield. Uh, Jordan McLeod had a couple of big third-down conversions in both of those drives as well. I think he's starting to become a little more comfortable now that he's the guy. Um, they've kind of they've established that he's the quarterback now. Came in in week one, and now he's the starter. And um, I think I think he feels a little bit more confident um, going forward. And he made a couple of big throws on third down um, to to move the chains and, and keep things going. So I think the one thing was the offensive line gave Jordan McLeod a ton of time to throw the football, and they were able to run it more effectively in those last two drives than they had the entire game. They had ten first downs the entire game, and and then the last twelve minutes after the delay. They had eight first downs on those last two drives. So they were able to just run the football, protect the quarterback, and really kind of uh, assert their will with that offensive line those last two drives. Dave, we had so many people, in, and I'm sure you had even more, in the week and 10 days leading up to that game, just you know, so excited about this opportunity that hadn't come along in four decades for James Madison to play Virginia. It's circled on our calendar. I bought tickets forever ago. All, all of that, and I'm sure you've heard those refrains over and over again. Now that it's in the books and it's a JMU victory, what's the impact and everything that was going on in Charlottesville as well? I certainly don't want to, 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 to leave that out as well, but what's the, what's the impact of this victory for JMU's you know, already rising football program. Well, they may not play UVA for another 40 years because of the win, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but with Tony Elliott, again, he wants games like this. We, I talked to him last week. I'm sure you guys have heard from him that, I mean, he wants these in-state games. He wants to play William & Mary in Richmond. You guys went there last year, and he wants to play these games. And now that JMU is FBS, it's good for both teams. And, and the one thing that I think, Obviously, for the fan base, it's it's a big deal. I mean, they've got bragging rights for a long time now. Um, it means a lot to so many people, but it really meant a lot to the, the really the in-state kids that didn't get recruited by by UVA. Um, James Carpenter is a great example. He's a walk-on offensive lineman that now plays defensive line. He's one of the best players in the Sun Belt, bar none. He is fantastic. He was great in that game. He had four four tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. He had a bunch of quarterback hurries. Um, he's undersized. But he was a walk-on going to UVA games growing up. Didn't get a sniff. Um, Tyson White, I talked to him. He's a Richmond kid. He didn't get a sniff from UVA. Um, it's just there were so many guys on that roster that are Virginia kids that didn't get a look from, from Virginia. And, and, again, now that they're in FBS, if they would have been FCS and got this win, it's a big deal. And, obviously, being down a level, it, it means a little bit that way. But now that they're FBS, they're recruiting a lot of the same kids that Virginia and Virginia Tech are recruiting. So I think it's a bigger deal now 
for them to beat them being an FBS school than it would be an FCS school because they're recruiting a lot of the same players. They're getting kids um, that are three-star, and they, they have a four-star commit for next year already out of, out of Pennsylvania, but they're, they're recruiting a lot of the same type of players that now other Power 5 schools and FBS schools are recruiting. So now they have that in their back pocket to be able to be like, hey, see, we went there, we won that game. And I, I think that's going to help a lot in recruiting moving forward than it would have even at the FCS level because you're really not recruiting the same type of kids. Yeah, you get a few here that, that might be getting some Power 5 offers, but now they're getting a lot more looks, a lot more kids that are getting some offers from the, the likes of UVA and Tech and Penn State and, and, and North Carolina schools around here. So I think that's, that's going to be the impact moving forward just in the recruiting battles with UVA and some others. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, you know, emotionally, as you said, it would have been a big deal if they'd been an FCS, but it probably impacts the, the program, the details yeah, of the does. program. Yep. Yeah, even more. That's a great that's a great point on the recruiting trail and that sort of thing. Hey, Dave, who put this schedule together? I mean, this thing is unforgiving <laughs> right here for the Dukes. You go to Virginia. I know it's a short trip, but as we said, emotionally, it really moves the needle and everything that was involved with that. Now you go to go play, you know, a Troy team that's coming off a great year last season to start your Sunday. Belt Conference, then you're going to take another break outside of conference, but you're going to go all the way out to Logan, Utah to play Utah State. This is an unforgiving three weeks here, Dave. It is, and I think you can even add in the fifth week because South Alabama, they, they won 10 games a year ago. They're one of the favorites in the South this year, too, and then they come to Bridgeport Stadium in the in the, mm-hmm. in the fourth game after yep, these three games right. on the road. So yep. it's it's a this is a challenging stretch, and when the schedule came out, um, we looked at this schedule, and Coach Signetti's been saying this the entire summer, he said at the Sunbelt Media Days, that this three- to four-game stretch is really going to determine our season. This is going to be a brutal stretch that is going to be a, a major, major challenge. Now, the first piece is done. They got that. But he said yesterday at this press conference he does not want to be a repeat of Georgia Southern a year ago. And what he means by that is they had just come off of five straight wins. They were 5-0. and They got ranked in the top 25 a year ago. Everybody's just saying how good you guys are. And then they went and laid an egg, as I talked about. Georgia Southern threw for 600 yards against them and had 45 points, and then all of a sudden they're out of the top 25, not sniffing that anymore, and they lost three consecutive games. He does not want a repeat of that, and they're playing a much better football team. Heck, Troy might be better than Virginia, honestly, just because of where they're at in their mm-hmm. program. John, John Summerall um, is a tremendous head coach. He's got a tremendously veteran football team that had the, the second-longest winning streak in the nation next to Georgia. They had won 12 straight before they lost to Kansas State last week, and they were, it was a 14-10 game with 20 seconds left in the first half. So this is, these are the defending champions in the Sun Belt, really talented team, a veteran quarterback, a running back that's averaging 170 yards per game, um, a defense that was one of the best in the Sun Belt a year ago. So this is going to be a major challenge. And, again, coming off a loss, they're going to want to start Sun Belt play the right way. But I know Coach Signetti is getting on his guys this week because, again, if JMU would have been eligible, they would have played Troy for the Sun Belt Championship last year. And, again, a lot of the fans are being like, here's the, the pseudo Sun Belt Championship this year, but it, it's a whole different year. These are two different teams. But this will be a major challenge. They're a physical, really, really good football team. And, and again, the emotional side of this thing coming off of that Virginia game. Um, I know Coach, yeah, but coaching is really good at that, isn't isn't he, Dave, about making sure his guys compartmentalize week by week? No question. He, it's, he's all ball all the time, man. He just, he, he loves it. He, and, and he does get his players on the right track. Even if they were maybe a little off track yesterday, I know he was a little upset with practice yesterday. 
Um, he said Mickey Matthews called him the former head coach of the Dukes, and he goes, hey, tell your kids when we beat Virginia Tech back in 2010, we lost the next week. Uh, so, again, as, as emotional, as fun as last week was, they've got to put that in the rearview mirror. And Coach Signetti laughed and said, he didn't have to tell me. I already knew that. I've, I, I have a pulse of what's going on, and I've got a pretty good pulse of my football team. So he knows he knows what's at stake. And, and he, as much as as fans want to make a big deal about the UVA game, and he was he was super excited. There were some pictures that that just show the joy on his face after the game. But he's on to the next game now, and he knows this could be a bigger challenge than what UVA was. Boy, and there's a name I haven't heard in a while, Mickey Matthews, the former <laughs> Chase Madison, <laughs> pulling out all the stops for this week, Dave. I like it down there. Absolutely. Hey, have a great trip down there. Congrats on the win. I know it had to be throwing to call that game last week as well. Good luck against Troy. We'll look forward to catching up with you as the season unfolds. All right, Bob. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Will do. Thank you, Dave. Dave Rigert, voice of the James Madison Dukes, coming off of the 36-35 win at Virginia. And he's right. I kind of just grouped the three away games together at Troy and then at Utah State. Uh, But you could add that fourth one past that, South Alabama, because that's a really good team. Now, that's coming uh, to to Bridgeforth Stadium, but still, from a competitive standpoint, uh, that's another major challenge for the Dukes. So let's see how they handle this. And I remember us talking about that last year, that uh, last year and the first year at FBS, it's a little different playing one FBS team as opposed to playing an entire schedule of FBS teams, and the Dukes handled that just fine a year ago. And now they're even more well-equipped to do that because they have more recruits and more players, both quantity and also quality recruits, who they have now recruited as FBS players to handle this kind of challenge. And it will be a challenge the next couple of weeks for JMU. Dave Rigard, voice of the Dukes, always fun catching up with him. we got to catch up a little bit here, so let's do it. We'll come back after the break. Sports Auto, roll it along on a Wednesday afternoon. 1061 ESPN. A whole lot of sports with a whole lot of opinion, which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do. Big Al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 ESPN Richmond. All right, I promise you, when we get back after the break, I'm going to get back to the NCAA waiver denial process and the new edict that has come down in college athletics to start to minimize the number of transfers who can play immediately and just as the background the rule changed several years ago where you can play immediately on your first transfer if you have not transferred and you go you don't need a reason you don't need a health issue you don't need a family issue you don't need academic nothing you can play right away After the first one, if you decide to transfer to school three, uh, you either have to sit out the year or you have to submit a waiver and give, you know, the reasons why you think you should play immediately. And it was being rubber stamped uh, for quite a period of time. And I believe coaches and athletic directors and school presidents and administrators said, we want to tighten the screws on this, which I think is a good thing on a couple of fronts it will cut down on the number of players who transfer at a moment's notice and if you do have to sit out a year it can give you a year to breathe and still be a very good college athlete so i got into it anyway before the break but i want to get into it a little more after the break and would love for people 
to call or text and tell me why I'm seeing this wrong or right or from a different angle because it is happening more and more right now. I know people are up in arms about Jay Billis, who hates everything with the NCAA, going off again on the NCAA that this shouldn't be happening. I'm just not sure he's right in this case. I'm really not. All right, we'll do it on the other side of the break. Don't forget Braves baseball coming up tonight. They can clinch the National League East with a victory in Philadelphia, which is the one thing I didn't want to happen. They beat him again last night. This team's going to be tough to beat in the playoffs in the World Series. I think the Braves. Anyway, they are really, really good. Uh, first hour in the bo- <laughs> first hour in the books. Sports Center updated. Then back with hour two of the huddle. One hundred six one ESPN. Hey there, Richmond. It's Breeze Airways, the 